morning, St. Michael's, we stand. Lord, we are so grateful to be invited into your house time and time again. We're just here with anticipation and expectation for you to come, Lord. We just offer all of these songs up to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeah. 
Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Pray together the collect. Purify our conscience, Almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, 
may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to ask Jane and Michelle to come and help us light the Advent candles this morning. I'm sure that you've noticed Jane and Michelle have been very busy this year making a very uh, friendly uh, treats and hospitality available to us every so often on Sunday morning. We are grateful to them for that. Wonderful. This morning, there is a photo booth opportunity for you out there. Very festive. Merry Christmas time. You want to be there? And cocoa, treats, coffee, Maybe a celebrity appearance, God willing. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Come and save us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance and we shall be saved. O Lord God of hosts. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Come and save us. O Lord, God of hosts, show us your mercy, O Lord. Let's give these ladies a hand. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And now we're going to have a special presentation from our dance team. So sit and enjoy this wonderful act of worship. Amen.
the children would come forward. Beautiful dancers. Praise God. Come on up here, buddy. Looking good. You guys ready for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. What? Today is Christmas Eve. It's almost here, isn't it? Fantastic. You reach out your hands and pray with me for these children as they go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the beautiful children that you put into our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would watch over them every day. Keep them safe and strong. Fill them with your knowledge, with your wisdom, with your courage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. <laughs> This morning's first reading comes from 2 Samuel, chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass, when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, And move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. Today's psalm is Psalm 89, beginning in verse 19. We will read Psalm 89, 
by the asterisk. Then you spoke in a vision to your Holy One. I have found my servant David. With whom my hand shall be established. The enemy shall not outwit him. I will beat down his foes before his face. But my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him. Also, I will set his hand over the sea. He shall cry to me, You are my Father. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. This morning's New Testament comes from Romans, chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith, To God alone, wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are reading from Luke's gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth 
to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, Your relative has conceived also a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord.
pray that you would enliven our hearts to your presence and that this wonderful day as we look forward to Christmas, that you would open our eyes to see the ways that you are already showing up in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going analog today, so a little different. A little different, but in honor of the incarnation, I thought, you know, let's go really incarnate. Words written on a page with ink. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you all this morning. God is just more good than we know. And today I want to talk about what his plan is for us as we're in this odd Sunday. This Sunday doesn't happen very often, where it's both Christmas Eve and the last Sunday of Advent. It happens like once every like 10 years, like depending on how the leap year falls, it's odd. And so we're going to enjoy that this morning, where I get to talk about a couple of things of what I think God wants to do in us, in the spirit of Advent. I think he has some work that he wants to do for us, on our behalf, in us. And I want to talk about the elephant in the room. Merry Christmas, everyone. (laughs) I have one question that I want us to think about this morning. Where does God live? Where does he live? There's been a lot of answers throughout the history of time of where God lives. You might think Mount Olympus. I was really into Greek mythology for a while. The tallest mountain in the world, the land of paradise. Or you might think Asgard, right? With the Marvel movies, they've made Thor so much more popular. Norse mythology is back. He's in this super special place with rainbows and uh, lightning and gold and this glorious place. Uh, Or maybe you're a little more Eastern in your thought and you think, no, he's in the infinite reaches of the dark abyss of space. And he binds everything together. And all of those answers are like wrong, (laughs) completely, (laughs) completely wrong. And that's what Christmas teaches us. In fact, God chose to dwell among us. He chose to make his dwelling place in us. And that's what we're talking about. I gave away the answer to the entire question. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to leave the question so everybody's wondering. But I think you know the answer to this question. I just want to dive into what that means for us and how we learn that this morning. Let's talk about our Old Testament lesson. I love David. He might be my favorite character in the Bible. Because he's just like us. He makes so many mistakes. And even if you look at this, it's so relatable. He's sitting in his kingdom in a palace. And it says God has made him to rest from his enemies. Who here wants us? Like, I want that for me. I want to be able to rest from my enemies. But just like any one of us, he isn't very good at resting. No, immediately he starts coming up with plans of what he wants to do. God has made him to rest, and he wants to go build. That's the dichotomy in this lesson. In fact, it's a good idea. I want God to live in a place that's as beautiful and amazing as he has given me, or more. What a great heart David has. But it's not what God wants. And thank God for Nathan, right? You all need Nathans in your life. Somebody who can come to you and say, even though in the moment Nathan's his bro, Nathan's like, let's do it. God is with you. 
Nathan still has an ear open to what God wants to say in this situation. So the next day he comes in and he goes, hey, you know that building plan? And knowing David from the stories, I bet you he'd already started something or other. He's drawing it out. He's calling people. He's like, you know, dialing their numbers in his phone and thousands of years ago. No, he's getting people. He's gathering them. He's like, I need the best architects, the best material. He's already dreaming of this thing. And Nathan goes, hey, did God tell you to do that? Oops. No. He says, in fact, God says, did I ask you to build me a house? I don't need you to build me a house. I've been living just fine for hundreds and thousands of years for all eternity without your help, David. And he calls him out on that because God had a much better plan. Not because David's heart wasn't good, not because David didn't have a good idea, but because God wanted to do something that David couldn't have even imagined. And even when he does allow David's son, Solomon, to build the temple, and he comes and he dwells there, it's never his dwelling place alone, right? Even when he rests his presence on there as a sign to Israel, I am here, over and over again, the prophets, the psalmists, and the writers say, no, but God's dwelling place is not to be contained in a temple made by hands. Now, at the time, it made sense to them. Yeah, God is bigger than the temple. He doesn't live in just a temple made by hands. But then we're told, as we move forward, that that temple actually is going to be flesh and blood. That the God who is uncontainable, that the glory of the temple couldn't contain, was going to become a clump of cells, to use some modern language. He was going to do something radical. And that's what leads us to our gospel this morning. So we're talking about the location of God's presence. We're talking about what the temple is. The Old Testament tees it up. And what the designers of the liturgy did is they put that Old Testament with this gospel so that you would immediately see, oh my gosh, Mary is the temple. Mary is the temple. Let's talk about that as we move through this. In... Luke 1.35, the writer of Luke actually makes it super clear as he uses the exact same language that was used to describe the Ark of the Covenant where God dwelled before he moved into the temple. He uses the same language that they use when they talk about God dwelling in the temple. He then says in Luke 1.35, And the angel answered her, Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That language, overshadow, it's the same word if you look at the Greek translation of the Old Testament that describes when God filled the temple with his glory, with his presence. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And so for the first time in history, in fact, the first time in anything that has ever existed, the uncontainable, infinite God became a clump of cells in a teenage girl's womb. It's incredible. I've met a lot of teenage girls. What was God thinking? She wasn't glorious. I mean, we depict Mary in all these ways to show her cosmic significance, to show her as the queen of the church, to show her as this uh, godly, divine, almost goddess-like figure. But when she was 15, 16, whatever years old she was when this happened, 
She was just as dumb and gangly and awkward as many teenage girls you know. As many teenage girls are. And yet God chose her. Why? Why did he do that? He could have picked anybody. He could have picked the emperor. He could have picked, you know, some crazy, powerful, beautiful woman. He picked this girl in Nazareth, some backwater town. Probably someone you wouldn't have looked twice at if you passed her on the street. He picked her for two reasons. And this is what I want you to remember as we go through this lesson. He picked her because she was humble and obedient. That's it. You want to be used by God? You want to be the temple of the Most High? You want to participate in this thing that God is doing? You've got two requirements. Be humble and be obedient. And guess what? If you do an honest inventory of your life, you might look around and say, oh, those are the two things that are hardest to do. At least for me, I'm pretty confident in my own ability to earn glory and wonder and to establish the kingdom of God. I'm like David. God, let me build your kingdom. Let me go do it. And he's like, hey, can you be humble like Mary? Yes, we're called to be kings and priests to serve our God. But the picture of that starts with this woman, this awkward teenager who said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. A line that changed history. Okay. Mary is the temple. And by the miracle of Mary accepting God in her womb, every woman is now welcomed in to participate in that mystery. To accept God's life. In them, And the womb is now sanctified and every pregnancy participates in the mystery of Christ and his birth. Did you know that childbearing was cursed in the fall? It was specifically cursed, like raising a child, like bearing a child will be painful for you. It'll be an awful experience. And then Christ comes through the curse and redeems it. So that now every woman who bears a child, guess what? Your childbearing participates in the suffering of Christ. It is no longer the church, but your redemption. Sorry, I said that wrong. The curse, but your redemption, which is a picture, as Mary is, of the church. So Jesus was doing a heck of a lot more even before the cross than we could imagine. But in this story, when we see the presence of God filling Mary. And we see this pregnancy, childbirth, all of that is now redeemed. And we all get to participate, not in the fallen, cursed world, which Christ continuously overturned, but in the process of redemption by sharing with him in his cross and resurrection. So Mary's the temple, but you might say, isn't Jesus the temple? And to that answer, I would say, yes, absolutely. And so that's where we're moving next. You might start to see the flow of this sermon. I'm going to give it away. Mary's the temple. Jesus is the temple. We are the temple, okay? That's what we're going to remember at the end of this. I've got proof. Jesus says of himself in John 2.19, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now, I love John because he puts that in chapter 2 of his gospel. 
That's like way later in Jesus' ministry. That's right before he enters Jerusalem. But John's like, let's cut to the chase. Jesus is predicting his death and resurrection, as we all now know. But you know what the Jews said? It took 46 years to build this building. They missed the point. He's like, well, it took 33 years for me to do this, to become who I was to be and to die on the cross myself, the temple, bearing the presence of God into the world. And Paul in Colossians 1.19 makes it very clear. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That phrase, pleased to dwell, you might recognize it from some of our Christmas carols, right? With man, pleased to dwell. I want to head back to what we're talking about with Mount Olympus and the infinite reaches of space and Asgard, where all the gods that we could come up with were pleased to dwell. Because guess what? All of us have met each other, and we know each other, and it doesn't make sense for God to choose us. At least it doesn't make sense to me. But God looked down from on high. The perfect, infinite, omnipotent, powerful God looked down and said, I want to be with them. And everyone in this room, he looks at you and says, I am pleased to dwell with you. That's what Jesus being the temple is all about. Because Jesus is our example. He came to show us the way to be human and to dwell among us and to make, what, what are we told in the Christmas story? Good will to men, peace on earth. That is the God we serve. That's where we're heading. Most of us, nine times out of ten, are convinced that God's mad at us. That God's mad at the world, that something must have gone wrong because can't you see all the pain, all the brokenness, all the idiocy that we encounter on a daily basis? And yet God again and again reminds us every Christmas, no goodwill to men, peace on earth. He is pleased to dwell with us. And that leads us straight to we are the temple. 1 Corinthians 6 19 and 20, which is a great scripture. Let me just say here, let me just for a second, I'm going to detour for one second. So what does it say here? It says, um, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Did you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? I I just wanted to throw this one out there, detour for a second. What is Paul talking about in the context of this scripture that we're talking about here? He's trying to show us, guess what? There is a better way. Don't you know that you're a part of Christ's body? Don't you know that you are, as he says, a temple of the Most High God? Let's go ahead and read this part. 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own body, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now that could be a whole lesson in and of itself, but we're going to keep it really simple here. You are meant to bear God in your body. When we look at Mary... She is an example 
of accepting God's will and bearing Christ's presence to the world. That's not just an example for her or for women, but for all of us. And when we think about a few weeks ago, we talked about John. And Jesus said of John, he's the greatest Old Testament prophet. Everyone up till this point, John is the best. And then he turned around and said, but the least in the kingdom of God and the kingdom Jesus came to establish is greater than he. And why is that? Because John could point to God, but we are called to bear God into the world. We're called to bring him with us. Now, let's get a little practical here because this can sound very esoteric, very abstract. Oh, we're talking theology and dogma and doctrine. No, it's when your son is sick and he wakes up in the middle of the night, hacking up a lung and he's miserable, I can walk in and bear God into that room and say, let me pray with you, son. Let me hold you and be God's hands and feet and mouth in that situation and speak words of life and healing. Or when you have that opportunity where somebody at work has really pissed you off, somebody at work has really ground your gears and you stop for a moment and you say, hold on. If I'm bearing God to the world, how would Jesus respond to this? And guess what? It doesn't mean that you just, oh, you're good, no worries. No, Jesus was more than willing to tell people the truth when the truth needed to be spoken. But he always put it in the context of bringing love into the world. So if you need to learn anything from Advent, it is this. It's not just about the baby coming in that historical event Christmas. And I will mention that in a second. But it's also about what our collect said this morning. And it said, purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your son Jesus Christ at his coming may find in us a mansion prepared for himself. So when does God come? Daily. Every single day. Where does he choose to live? With you and you and all of you. What are you going to do in response? Are you going to be like Mary who said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord? Are you going to say, let it be to me according to your will? I promise you, your Christmas is going to be awesome. When you let God show up. Personally, I've already seen that happening. I get so tied up in getting the decorations and the presents and the organization. And all of a sudden, Haley and I are fighting at the end of the night. And we're like, gosh, how do we get this all done? It's like, pause for a second. Wait, what is this all about? This is about welcoming God into our midst. And it may not matter if you get that last batch of cookies baked at the right time. At least not as much as welcoming God among us. I just want to read a little bit and we'll end. I'm keeping it short for me today because I know that we all have so much fun. We're going to be living out all day today and tomorrow the reality of the words that we're talking about this morning. You have an opportunity today as you celebrate with your family to welcome God into your midst, God in your brother, God in your husband, God in your sister, your wives, your children, God in your friends. I just want to say this before we end. 
Christmas is about a historical event that really, really happened. A particular moment where the timeless God entered time and the limitless God became contained. The moment the all-powerful God became powerless. A mere clump of cells was the very essence of being and life and creation. Mary was a real teenager in the midst of the pain and the awkwardness and the challenges and the mundaneity of her life. But she's a teenager who said yes to God and became the mother of our Lord. The historical matters, but as Christians, we believe even more than that, that we are called to enter into history. In fact, every Eucharist, we enter into the moment where Christ becomes flesh and the bread and the wine. And so this morning and as we enter Christmas, I just want you to look for God to show up. You bear him with you and you'll find him in the people you surround yourself with if you let him show you. Amen? Merry Christmas. Let's continue to recite the statement of our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory, against living in the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is very near. Therefore, let us turn to him who fulfills all our needs. For the church, that she will actively preach Christ's message of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. Lord, in your mercy. For those seduced by materialism and greed, that their lives will be characterized by generosity and goodwill. Lord, in your mercy. For those who are preparing for the birth of a child, that they, like Mary, will see the child as a gift from God. Lord, in your mercy. For those who are planning to travel to meet loved ones, that they will reach their destination safely. Lord, in your mercy. For all of God's people, that they will respond to God's call on their life in the words of Mary, let it be done unto me according to your will. Lord, in your mercy. 
for the conversion of Islam and other world religions and philosophies that are in opposition to the word of God. Lord, in your mercy, for those who will be celebrating the holidays alone and for those who have lost loved ones this year. Lord, in your mercy. kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to be obedient and faithful servants. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of God. Good <laughs> word. Merry Christmas Eve. I want to invite everyone to be here tonight at 10 p.m. where we will have our Nine Carols and Lessons Christmas Eve service. Great time for uh, singing and fellowship. You will want to be there. Amen. It's a great, great service. In honor of that, we're not going to have catechism tonight. <laughs> Just Fair in enough. case anybody wondered, uh, cat, next catechism is uh, not Christmas Eve and not New Year's Eve, but the Sunday after that. Mm-hmm. What else? Christmas ball. You guys should Amen. all be there. It's going to be great. You can see the details up there. And if you have any questions, talk to Betty Mercer, who also uh, is our dance team instructor and put together yes. that whole presentation earlier. So Amen. she's a great lady. Amen. 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 Let us pray for our tithes and offerings. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Sing, holy is his name. 
Come for us, the body of Christ. Blessed be God forever. By the mystery of this water and wine, we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Just <laughs> Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, through your goodness. We have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine, the work of human hands. It will become the body of Christ. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we bring these tithes and offerings before you. They will be used in your church for the work you've set before us and the furthering of your kingdom. Blessed be God forever. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty, our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. 
Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For all the oracles and the prophets foretold him, the Virgin Mary longed for him with love beyond all telling, and John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It's by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exuberant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels and all the company, the thrones and the dominions, the hosts, the powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim. gifts we pray by sending down your spirit upon them so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for he's given up to death the death he freely accepted he took bread he gave you thanks he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our clergy, and remember those who were sick and firmed in spirit, soul, or body. We especially hold up this day Susan and Naomi and Sonia and Sandra, 
Karen and Tammy and Patrick, the house family, Sean, Ed, Soledad, Mike, Bob, Jermaine, Ryan, the Campbell family, the Black family, Sandy Clintz, the, Bash, the uh, Fisher family, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, and all of those who serve in our armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you've made us worthy to share eternal life with Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Joseph, her husband, with the apostles, the martyrs, and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior has taught us, we're bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who were called to his supper. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God.
faithful to rebuild, faithful to return. Jesus is coming, yes, Jesus is coming. It just, uh, it's so strange. Christmas is such a huge celebration for the gift we already got. But I'll tell you, that was such a wonderful message, uplifting, encouraging, and just drive it home. Jesse, just keep driving it home. The goodness of God in Christ Jesus. The goodness of God is for us. He loves us. And for each one of us, I don't know how this could possibly work, but you're his favorite. Isn't that incredible? Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and sickness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and the snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin of our souls. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. The name of earth. Amen. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us. He'll never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen.
下课去。